Hey there, awesome business owners. Are you finding it hard to grow your business while you're so busy working in it? Are you trying to transform what you have into something you and your family can be really proud of? Is it time to accelerate your financial success? If that sounds like you, then welcome to the Business Growth Gurus, the podcast for business owners who are ready to do less, earn more, and spend more time doing the other things they love. In less than 20 minutes, the Hendry Group business experts share practical and powerful tactics that you can implement into your business straight away. Let's go. Hey listeners, welcome to the Business Growth Gurus podcast. It's your host, Kaz Hendry here. I'm a business growth advisor at the Hendry Group, as well as an international speaker and a best-selling author. And I'm here once again to share with you our decades of experience to help you grow a successful business. Just a reminder, this podcast is all about giving busy business owners tactics to help you do less, earn more, and spend more time with your family. And the really great thing is that everything I talk to you about in these podcasts seriously works. It's worked for our business and hundreds and hundreds of our clients. I am thrilled today to introduce another one of our Hendry Group growth gurus. Today on the show, we have with us Michael Crow. He's our General Manager of Financial Planning. And so his expertise is helping business owners align their business goals with their personal goals. Welcome to the show, Michael. Is that a fair description of your expertise, do you think? Absolutely. Most business owners I know work really hard, and so there needs to be a reward for that. And for most people, that's financial freedom, the freedom to do what you want, when you want, how you want. I like that. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Karen. I'm very happy to be here. The topic I want to discuss in today's podcast is how much a business owner is going to need in retirement. So, Michael, you mentioned business owners are working really hard, and as a business owner myself, I can certainly relate to that. And it's not just the working hard, but it's also the stress and the risk that business owners take on. Something I'm always telling my clients is that your business is personal. What you want for your business and what you want for your personal life are usually inextricably linked. But sometimes as business owners, we can get so caught up in that day-to-day running of the business and worrying about the business that it's easy to forget to check in and make sure that what you're doing in your business is actually having an impact on your personal life, or more importantly, the right impact on your personal life. What we're doing in our business needs to be moving us towards our personal goals. So at the end of the day, I I believe that's why most business owners do work so hard. It's so they can live the lifestyle that they want. As you say, Michael, it's all about financial freedom, the freedom to do what you want, when you want, and how you want. And I have to say that in all the time I've been a business advisor, I haven't met a single business owner who was just doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, To be honest, you'd be pretty crazy if you're doing that because it's pretty stressful. We're doing it because we want a particular lifestyle. And that financial freedom that you mentioned, whatever that means for us as individuals. So it's really important that we don't lose sight of that. And another thing that I often talk to my clients about is this idea of making sure that as a business owner, when it comes to your personal finances, that you're keeping one eye on now and one eye on the future. Do you have any thoughts around that, Michael? Yes, Karen, certainly do. Absolutely agree with the one eye on now to ensure that you're enjoying yourself now, but also one eye on the future. We're living longer and more importantly, we are actually active longer. I really don't want to scare people here, but the current oldest Australian is actually 110 years of age. Wow, 110, that's pretty pretty good. That's putting up the baton then some. It certainly is. Now, 
I know most of us aren't going to live anywhere near to that age. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm going to try and beat it now. <laughs> Good luck. You know, good chance because you're a woman yeah, and not a chance cool. of a male doing that. But if you are 65 years of age, which you aren't yet, Karen, there is a one in five <laughs> chance that you will live to 100. So I thought I would start with one bit of useless trivia. Oh, we love our trivia here, don't we? Yeah. Yes, we're we trivia do. nerds at the Hendry Group. We have. We do quite often get the Monday paper out for that. Absolutely. It is not uncommon, though, for business owners that uh, they head down working in the business that they lose sight of what their financial future would look like, particularly their personal side of things. And they believe that the growth of the business will just look after everything. And that's not the case? Now we know that may not happen. Some people will have a business that may be worth a fair bit of money in the future that someone is willing to buy, but not everyone will. Secondly, just because you think your business is worth X, it doesn't mean someone will pay this or it may take considerable time to sell the business. In financial planning, one of the most common words we learn is diversification, the D word. And in the case of business owners, it really is a plan B. Diversification is important as no one can accurately predict the future. So in financial planning terms, is diversifying your assets, which is not having your eggs in one basket or in one asset, and diversifying your strategies. So you have assets and strategies outside your business that are working for you. I'm really glad you actually brought up the D word. Um, being a business advisor, like what one of the things I do see is a lot of business owners who are investing everything in their business. So what you just mentioned there, having all the eggs in one basket, and that might be a cliche, but there's, it's a cliche for a reason. It's a it's a pretty risky proposition when you think about it, especially in this day and age where we're not just seeing businesses going offshore, but entire industries. One thing in particular that really worries me is how little a lot of business owners have in their super fund. Would you agree that that's a worry? Yeah, it really can depend on the business structure. You may not have to contribute to superannuation. You think about employees, they have 9.5% of their salary automatically going into their retirement savings. Now, if that's all they're doing, it's generally not going to be enough for a comfortable retirement. At least gives them a head start or a good start. If you are a small business not contributing super, Think about if you were being paid a wage, how much roughly would you have to contribute to super and look and see if you can match it or at least start some sort of contribution to superannuation. Any sort of consistent contribution by direct debit or periodical payment won't be missed as it will automatically occur. And most importantly, you're going to be building up retirement savings and saving tax at the same time. Yeah, I really like what you're saying about what you don't have, you don't miss really, do you? So, and it's just building that nest egg. Um, but also I like what you were saying there too about when you don't have to do it, sometimes you just will make that decision not to do it, but that's not actually working in your favour long term. Absolutely. And that, and that happens all the time. You sole traders, you don't have to contribute. So generally those sort of people are, are very much behind the eight ball with their superannuation balances compared to someone who's had the same employer for quite some time. Yeah, and we've seen that, you know, be dangerous for a lot of people over our um, extensive time in the industry. Yeah, it certainly means that you can have a lot less money saved for retirement. Yeah. So do you have any examples that you can share of maybe the overall importance of contributing to super? Yeah, I've actually got one that's very close to home um, involving myself and my wife. So. Okay, so it really is close to home. <laughs> I, was, I didn't realise how close to home when you said that. Yeah, my wife was told from her early 20s um, importance of contributing extra to superannuation. Look, my 20s were probably spent wasting too much money 
doing things that, you know, you 20 do. 20-year-olds do, yeah. You do, yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, since we've had kids, which has been quite some time now, she's been working uh, part-time and it has been for a number of years whilst I've been working full-time forever and the last few years have been contributing close to the maximum amount that you can contribute to super because I think it's a really good strategy. She still actually has more money in superannuation than, than I do and, you know, I could be chauvinistic about that, but actually I'm really wrapped about that because the big advantage of that, it's going to be, give us more opportunities later on with regards to when we want to retire and what we want to do and retire, all because of the compounding returns of the of what she was doing in her twenties and thirties by contributing more. Yeah. Okay. That makes some. Um, that makes sense. I was going to ask you how that happened, and it's because she was doing it earlier yes. and and that consistency of contribution. Absolutely. The power of compounding. You know, just small things becoming big things over time, as I think Paul Kelly sung yeah. and entry funds have stolen in their ads. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it is very very important there. Yeah, and um, I just want to point out, you haven't been working forever, but maybe it feels <laughs> like it. <laughs> Not only is it the Henry Group. Um. <laughs> so does everything need to go into superannuation? I mean, it, it... No, no, I don't think so. And the reason for that, you know, is because of the fact that superannuation money is tied up for a number of years, which in some ways is both a positive and a negative because yeah, sure. it's enforced savings. But yeah. Um, you know, it is the best tax structure because of um, because of the tax savings that you get by making the contributions and the low tax rate on the investment earnings. However, because of lack of accessibility, there are other strategies that be con- considered on top of superannuation contributions. Okay, so it doesn't all have to be diversified to superannuation. But I will say this: um, I work with a lot of Australian business owners, and they slash we, because I'll, I'll count myself in here, um, love to save some tax. So, and, and really, would you agree that it's still the best uh, tax structure available or the tax saving structure available to Australians? Absolutely. You think about the deductibility of contributions to superannuation, the impact that has, yes. Absolutely. So when it comes to diversification, do you think everything should be, you know, if you're diversifying away from the business, so the rest of it should go to superannuation or is, you know, there a limit to that? Well, there are a limit of how much you can actually contribute to superannuation. But on top of that, the positive and negative superannuation is is accessibility. Uh, it could be tied up in superannuation for quite some time without you being able to access it. So although we believe it is by far the best structure to save for retirement because of that and because of the tax savings, the lack of accessibility means that you should consider other strategies on top of superannuation contributions. Yeah, that makes sense. And you said the positive and negative of the accessibility, and I guess it is a positive in a way, isn't it? Because you're... Absolutely. The enforced savings are that you can't touch this. This yeah. has to be for retirement purposes. Yeah, you can't touch this. <laughs> Bit of MC Hammer joke. Bit of MC Hammer. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to go there on the, uh, on the old podcast. Um, all right, so that's that's great to know then. So superannuation, it's still, in my opinion, and I, I don't know if you share this as well, Michael, but, um, you know, it's still going to be the most tax-effective investment that we can have in Australia. And I'm as business owner myself, I know one thing for sure, business owners just really don't want to pay any more tax than they have to. Absolutely. It is a really, really good tax structure. So do you have any examples of things that aren't superannuation that business owners could be doing to diversify as well? 
Yes, there are three other um, savings opportunities that we think is important. So first one will be paying down debt. Mm. That's a strategy with a guaranteed return. Yeah, I like that guaranteed return. That's cool, yeah. And even though rates are quite low at the moment, um, it's certainly worth doing, but you should also consider other strategies. So next one is gearing. Now, gearing, for those who haven't heard the term or have heard the term and don't understand it, is borrowing to invest in. And you're generally going to do that in growth assets such as properties or shares. So that's, for example, you might borrow 500000 from the bank to go out and buy a property. Well, not much of a property these days, but um, <laughs> as an example. Maybe a property but not in not in uh, Melbourne or Sydney or, or <laughs> Brisbane or Perth. Or, okay, so not in Australia. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that's maybe a little bit different for business owners than uh, people who aren't business owners is that business owners are often quite familiar with borrowing yes. because we've had to often borrow in, in business. So can have a little bit of a, a bigger appetite for risk if you if you like. But I imagine too you would have a geared strategy that isn't overly risky. Yeah, absolutely, whether it be property or shares. And you're right, business owners are generally going to be more happy to do those types of things because of the fact that they've gone into business and generally involves taking some risk. Yeah, just a bit more comfort and familiarity, I think. Of course. Look, the other one that is a bit more boring but is is what we would call a good old-fashioned savings plan and that could mean your bonus reward or progress saver that you can get from your bank, which at the moment is paying like all, yeah, mm-hmm. crap is the terminology I quite often use in these types of things. But but there are other options you can look at. There are managed funds that you could consider that would be paying potentially a rate more than, than the mortgage or anything like that. All right, so we've just covered very quickly some pretty major topics. So, you know, superannuation, gearing, savings plans, managed funds. And look, you know, we actually can't give advice on a podcast and we and we wouldn't. <laughs> um, you can't give personal financial advice like that. But, you know, what? so what does a business owner do? Because business owners traditionally don't have a lot of time. Most business owners I know aren't working a 40-hour week. They're working a lot more. And now you're saying, well, they need to diversify. So how? where do they go to get that information? Yeah, that's a really good question. And thank you. Sometimes with business owners, the the two most important areas in life you hope are business and their family. Yeah. Hopefully, it's in the in the other way around that the family is the most important. But uh, you never know. So they generally don't have too much time to think about their personal finances. I am a great believer that everyone should have a financial plan. Yeah, me too. Now, some may have the time and inkling to look at it themselves, uh, but most will want some expertise from a professional to give them guidance to make sure that they are on track, keep them accountable and come up with strategies to get them into a better financial position. There are a number of areas that need to be taken into account to ensure that they are on track for financial freedom. In fact, as you know, Karen, we have developed an eight-step success wheel to complete to ensure that they are on track if you need to give you a score between one and 10 and around the eight steps. And if you are scoring less than seven on some of the steps, then you really need some help. Yes, I am very familiar with the eight-step wheel. And just listeners, the reason why Michael put so much emphasis on that is because uh, I actually wrote a best-selling book about it. Now, what the way that these success wheels work is that we put together, um, in this particular case for the financial freedom wheel, it was the eight components that we believe 
people really need to get right if they want to master their personal financial circumstances. Um, and Michael, you said that you think people need to, you know, at scoring out of 10, they want to be able to score around at least sevens for everything. I'm actually a bit of an overachiever and I'd suggest that a lot of business owners on the program today will be able to relate to that. So I'm going to put out there and say that if you're not scoring nines, then you should probably um, get some help. And I, I, Michael, I think we should look at um, some questions for business owners. You know, what are the sorts of questions that if I was wanting to do this myself or if I was just wanting to do a bit of homework before I met with a financial planner, what are the sort of questions I should be asking myself around planning for retirement? All right. So can I just, before you go into the, the questions that we can give to listeners, can I suggest to everybody that's listening to the podcast, grab a pen and paper now because this could be, uh, you know, really valuable for you. Of course, if you're driving, please don't grab that pen and paper, go home, replay the podcast with your pen and paper then. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Some of the questions I think business owners should need to consider are, do I currently have a plan for retirement? Do I need some help with this? Have I written down my retirement goals? Oh, I, actually, I've got a good one around that. Um, statistically, it's something like 90%. If you write down your financial goal, you're something like 90% more likely to actually achieve it. Actually, that's not just financial goals. That's any goals. So write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Would I like some certainty about when I can afford to retire? Mm. Ideally... When would I like to retire? It's a, a good question. That is, it's a really good question because if you want to retire in two years, then you've got a lot more that you need to do between now and then than somebody that's potentially going to retire in 10 years, yeah? Absolutely. You've got more planning opportunities to start. If you're 10 years away, if you're two years away, yeah, you've got to get the ball rolling very quickly. Mm. Okay, give us some more questions. What is the process when I exit the business? Is the business going to be sold? Will the kids take over? Do I continue working part-time either in the business or outside the business? I just want to point out here, I never took over my family business. <laughs> I didn't even get a family discount when I bought in. But anyway, <laughs> keep going. Do I know the value of my business? Now, if you don't, then talk to your accountants. So talk to the Henry Group accountants and give you a bit of an idea of what it's worth. Mm. Um, next one would be paint a picture of what an ideal retirement looks like. So what are you doing? With whom and where? Yeah, sort of like really get that visualisation of your, what you want your retirement to actually look like. Does that, do you think that makes it easier for people to plan for a retirement oh, from a financial point of view? Absolutely. I mean, I think it gets back to those goals again. You know, if you can work out exactly what you want to do, then you can work out what you need to do to get to that position as well. Yeah, and that comes back to what I think I was saying right at the beginning of the program is nobody's just working for the sake of it. We're working because we want some sort of some sort of lifestyle and um, and this is the one eye on the future bit. Absolutely. It's interesting though, I do, I do deal with uh, two lots of business owners. I have the one business owner who, who will be in a position that they don't actually know what they're going to do in retirement because mm. they've been so head down in the business so long. And then on the other camp is those that have been in the business for a long time as well, but because they haven't had a chance to do some things, they've got a huge bucket list of things mm. they'd like to do in retirement. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So what else is, what am I currently putting in place to have an ideal retirement? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, yeah. what am I doing right now? And, and are you measuring it? So have you arranged some calculations or projections to see how you're tracking towards that uh, ideal mm-hmm. retirement? Yep. Am I contributing to super? And if so, how much? Can I afford more? Using the example of my wife earlier. Um, what is my investment option in my super fund? Because that is quite often the most important part of the return. Uh, and is it going to help me retire comfortably? Asset allocation is so important both now, both later on in retirement as well, because it can make a huge difference to how long your money lasts. And ideally, how much do you think you'll need in retirement? Hmm. How much would I like in retirement? Um, we can work that out using, you can think of a number and we can see if it's viable and whether it's appropriate for you anyway. Because hmm. it'd be a bit surprised, there is a myth around a million dollars and some people a million might be the amount you need, some might be a lot less than that, you'd be surprised. And finally, what would you prefer in retirement? Would you want certainty or would you plan without any certainty? Would you want loads of choices or leave it to chance and have no choice? A solid plan in place rather than just hoping. And of course, peace of mind knowing that you're on track. I think I prefer all of the, the latter things there. I mean, that sounds like a bit of a um, bit of a Captain Obvious. And then quite importantly is what would that mean for you if you could have that? You know, if you could look and say, okay, if I had that, what's my retirement going to look like? What's my lifestyle going to look like? So yeah, one of the reasons why I believe retirement is such an important topic for business owners is because I think as business owners, we have this belief that all the hard work we're doing, all the sacrifices we're making, all the risk and the stress that we take on, that it is going to pay off, not just along the way, but also in the long term when we ultimately do decide to exit our business. So this question that I really want to ask you about today is how much do we need in retirement. It's really quite important for business owners. And I know you mentioned the the million dollars, um, but I know you've also done a lot of work on this with your clients. So I'd love to hear about what's your experience been and what in your expert opinion do business owners need in order to be able to retire? It is an interesting one. It really depends on what, whether you want a comfortable retirement or an abundant retirement. Oh, well, I want an abundant retirement. I, you know, comfortable might be okay, but I'm going abundant, thanks, if it's, I've got a choice. Absolutely. And so you should be as a business owner considering all the headaches, the sacrifices that you've made along the way. You should be aiming for that, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. So how do I do this? And, you know, what can you tell us maybe – what is the difference between a comfortable lifestyle and an, and an abundant lifestyle? Yes, and we'll get to some figures shortly on that. So there has been some numbers produced by the Association of the Super Funds of Australia, or ASFA. The numbers they believe is appropriate for a comfortable retirement, which is the lowest end we should be looking at, is um, a couple needing $640,000 and a single person $540,000. Now, that is retiring around sixty-five. 65 is not the be all for retirement age, but for some reason in the 1880s, the Germans decided that was the retirement age and has been the age for the Australian um, pension for males for quite a long time, although that is increasing to 67. There is absolutely no rule that suggests that you have to retire at 65, you can retire early, you can retire later. Yeah, oh, look, that's um, I'm glad you point that out because um, 
I've had quite a lot of people in the past ask about that and just having to make it clear that 65 is pension eligibility. It's not retirement age. We can retire you know, when, whenever we like or whenever you can afford to. And so what you're saying there is as far as um, uh, the Association of Super Funds of Australia are concerned, that just have a comfortable lifestyle, you're going to want to have $640,000 if you're a couple, $540,000 if you're a single person to be able to live off the proceeds of that and have a comfortable lifestyle in retirement. Yes. Assuming you're age 65. Yes. And and the concern around that is that the average superannuation balance at 65 is around about $300,000. So it is well short. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I would have just thought it would be higher. But I, I guess, and then if we think that that's the average super balance, most, a lot of business owners would actually be less than that because this is taking into account everybody. And we talked about earlier the fact that business owners, because they don't have to contribute to super, often don't. Okay, well, that's really interesting figures. Yes. And around that, the amount of money that you actually need to, for a comfortable lifestyle in retirement is about 61500 for a couple and $43,600 per annum if you're single. In this example, that does assume some eligibility for a Part H pension. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get into a position that I don't ever have to worry about dealing with this centrally. I want to be well and truly over that asset test so that I don't actually get a dollar of age pension. Well, you wouldn't be a good financial planner if you, if you didn't, <laughs> would you? But I agree with you. One of, my, one of my absolute aims in life is I never want to have to deal with Centrelink if I don't have yeah. to. Yeah. Centrelink's not fun at times to deal with and it's not going to get any easier. No. Roughly 70% of all welfare spending is spent on the age pension and veterans Ooh. affairs pensions. And considering baby boomers moving into retirement, aging population and that we're living longer, that percentage can only really go one way. So yeah. it's not going to be any easier to get the age pension in the future. Yeah. And I just, I do want to make um, one thing clear for listeners here as well. What we're talking about here, these figures, uh, they are just what the Association of Super Funds of Australia mm. have come up with. It really does depend upon individual circumstances, Absolutely. but I really just wanted to give people some sort of guideline today. So, you know, for a, for that's what they would consider to be a comfortable Yes, and as we discussed earlier, we're looking at striving to be better than that, so abundance. And look, I've been a financial planner for more than 18 years, and these numbers do definitely stack up. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. And obviously, if you're a long way from retirement or a long way from 65, you're going to need a lot more than $640,000 because of inflation anyway. Yeah, and so, if you're wanting that abundant retirement. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's okay. where we can do the numbers around that, absolutely. So, yeah, so there would you suggest then if people like me, for example, are going, well, comfortable is not quite enough, I'd like an abundant, that's when they should go to their financial planner and say, okay, well, what am I going to need in my specific circumstances and what's the best way to get there? Definitely. And that's where we can do some numbers, uh, give you an idea of what that number might need to look like and what you need to do, what the gap is now to yeah. get into that position. Yeah, and that pathway. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Thank you. All right. So as usual, I've been taking notes while we've been uh, while we've been talking to each other today and I've come up with like a little bit of an executive summary for listeners. Just let me know whether you think I've got the, the points here, if I've covered them all. If I was to say the most important points out of today's podcast, it would be first up to just 
you don't want to be totally dependent on your business for your long-term retirement income because we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. So it doesn't hurt to diversify and spread those eggs a little bit. That uh, super is a great way to be able to have that diversification, but it's not the only way. There are other options as well. That if you're a couple, then you're going to want to have about $640,000 as a next egg to just have at minimum a comfortable lifestyle in Australia in retirement. And I think it was about $100,000 less if you were a single person. Apparently, single people turn on just as many <laughs> lights and, <laughs> and open just as many fridge doors as, as a couple because it is still quite a, quite a you know, it's, it's not much gap there. And I think finally, um, and what I really get out of this as well, is that if as business owners, people are very busy, it's not necessarily, finance isn't necessarily your expertise. So if you don't have the time to go and look at all these, you know, sometimes fairly complex issues yourself, you know, you talked about asset allocation, then what you want to do is make sure that you that you work with a financial planner, that you really uh, you know, you know them, you like them, and you trust them. So, have I pretty much covered most of those off? Do you think? Absolutely, it's a great list, Karen. And geez, it is harsh on single people, Erin. Only hundred thousand less. Yeah, I know, right? It's almost just worth getting just being a couple just to. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Michael. Um, jokes aside, what I do love about this podcast is that we, at the end of each session, we do try and have something concrete for people to have afterwards that, that help, will help them implement, you know, some sort of tool that can mean that they can do something with the information that they've got from today's podcast. Do you have anything that I can include in today's show notes? Yes, we've got three different items. I think that Ooh, could be quite useful, yes. That's awesome. The first one is our How to Retire on Your Own Terms Guide which is the Professional and Business Owner's Guide to Planning Your Future, Positively Impacting Your Lifestyle and Increasing Abundance in Retirement. It's an awesome read. That's, I say so myself. I was going to say, did you author that? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's your publication, isn't it? I really like that. Yeah, How to Retire on Your Terms Guide. I think that's that's a great one. So tick, we can have that. What else? You said there were three. Yeah, the, the other one we mentioned, which you've written a book about, of course, is the eight-step wheel. I think that's a great starting point to do that to see where you stand, whether the wheel is uh, perfectly in a circle shape, which And large. Is, we need a large wheel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, eights, nines, as we discussed. Um, and the other area is um, a little uh, fact sheet that we have produced called 11 Things to Do in Retirement. And the reason we've actually come up with this is because we've been doing this for a long time, so we know what our clients do in retirement and what they can do. But some people head towards retirement with not too much of a plan of what they might do in retirement. So it gives some people food for thought. Okay, that's great. So how to retire on your own terms guide. We're going to give people a copy of the eight-step wheel and uh, the 11 things to do in retirement. And so I mentioned before that uh, business owners were overachievers. You've actually overachieved for our giveaways today. So I really appreciate that. Uh, it's been really Great to talk to you today, Michael. It's an area that a lot of business owners aren't thinking about all the time, their personal finances, because we're so busy with that day-to-day -day, uh, running of the business. So I, I think listeners today would have found that really refreshing and really valuable. So thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Thank you, Karen. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Well, listeners, that's it for today. 
please jump to the show notes as soon as we finish so that you can grab those offerings. And I'm going to be looking forward to seeing you or speaking to you next time. We're not going to, you're not going to see each other, but I can't wait to speak to you next time, bring you some really good advice for growing your business and also being able to achieve your financial freedom. Hope you found today really valuable. Until next time, cheerio. Did today's show resonate with you? If it did, we've got some sneaky extras for you. Make sure you subscribe to the show to get regular free strategies to grow your business. And check out the show notes below the podcast for a full transcript of the show, as well as any bonus material and special offers. You can find us on Facebook or at hendry.com.au. We'd love you to share the podcast with other business owners who want practical and powerful tactics to grow their business. This podcast is copyright The Hendry Group 2019 and contains general advice only. Please make sure you get professional advice for your personal circumstances.